get that to read it out loud for us. We have been studying, for those of you who are visitors today, uh, for a number of weeks on uh, the subject uh, that we have at hand. This is taken out of the book of Proverbs. And so as we introduced our study, this is a generation that has created its own gods. Uh, There are many people who attend Christian churches. They uh, propose to believe in the God of the Bible, but uh, they have altered the revelation of God after their own agenda or after their own desires. And so uh, uh, they've taken the biblical revelation uh, of God and the glory of the incorruptible God. They have altered that and they have uh, uh, reinterpreted that uh, after their own desire. No, a number of years ago, I went into uh, Malaysia uh, for the first time and uh, we were holding a a seminar in a hotel looking down uh, 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 on a Hindu temple. And that was my first uh, experience of looking at a Hindu temple. And there are hundreds, probably thousands of gods on that uh, on that temple. Some of them smiling, some of them uh, frowning, some of them showing their teeth, some of them uh, fat, some of them skinny, some of them tall, some of them short. Every uh, conceivable, and each one of those had a name. These were the the concept that men had, uh, by religious tradition, created uh, a system of religion, and these were there. This is what happens when man is left to his own imagination and and to his own appetites and his own desires. He creates a religion that uh, suits him, and then he begins to uh, uh, propagate that, and this is happening uh, uh, very prominently uh, in our generation, but it has happened throughout history, but especially in our generation concerning uh, God. And there's probably no facet uh, of the revelation of God's nature and being that's been perverted any more than the subject of love. This is the love generation. Uh, if you remember back in the hippie generation, the love in was, was the thing. And uh, love was a big word. Teach earth with love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love meant smoking pot and laying naked on the beach. That's what love was. And so uh, this is a generation. Uh, but the problem is that's infiltrated and that spirit has come into the church. And so uh, what we've done in this generation, we've deceived ourselves into thinking that God still does not hold mankind to the standards of old. So in this uh, book of Proverbs, uh, we're teaching a study, and that study is from Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. I'd like somebody to get that. Uh, if Noel Tossing will get that. And the text says uh, very plainly that God is love, but he hates. And so, Noel, if you'll read that for us in a loud, clear voice. <clears throat> These six things does the Lord hate. Uh, yes, seven are an abomination to him. And then he begins to move through these. Today, uh, we want to, to study and take time to study the text, uh, Hands That Shed uh, Innocent Blood. I need several people to get scriptures for me. And in this section, Leviticus 17, 10, and 11, uh, Dennis it is. I want Genesis 9, 3 through 6, Samantha. I want 1 Timothy 1, 9, Bill Lamb. So I want to... Uh, uh, think with you for a moment, lay a little bit of foundation, and that is that God gives some peculiar directives concerning blood. We want to think about that for a moment, 
And uh, in, the, in the historical record, as we begin to study society and how man uh, has approached the subject of blood, one author uh, says, from the earliest times, a singular mystery has been attached to blood by all peoples. Blood brother or blood friendship is established by African tribes by the mutual shedding of blood and either drinking or rubbing it on one another uh, and others uh, and uh, on one another's bodies. It grew to have more than a human significance and application. Another author says in Rome, gladiators fought and people ran out of the stands to catch and drink the blood of dying warriors because they believed it would infuse their beings with courage, power, and strength. Then another author yet says, uh, there was a belief that drinking blood gives strength and new life to the ghosts of the dead in the Odyssey. To the Roman epileptic who uh, dashed to the floor of the Colosseum to quaff the blood of dying gladiators. To Kenya's Maasai tribe, men who still celebrate feast days by drinking blood freshly drawn from a cow or a goat. So here we have this uh, set in the human frame uh, in their mindset. There is something that is unique about blood and uh, uh, biblically we have a uh, uniqueness and we want to uh, touch on that for a moment. Leviticus 17, 10 and 11. Okay, here we find uh, coming in the biblical revelation, we find uh, something's very unique. Remember, we're studying about hands that shed innocent blood. And so uh, uh, God gives peculiar directions, and he's doing that uh, to bring mankind an understanding that the blood that flows in the life veins, that's the life of the flesh. Genesis 9, 3 through 6, we move this into the human perspective. Okay, here uh, the Lord lays a foundation, and in that foundation he puts human life, especially in a unique perspective, and says uh, that he uh, has a peculiar uh, valuing, and he places human life in a very unique place, and there we find blood again uh, is coming through the sacred text. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Okay, here we find uh, in the New Testament, uh, Paul is, uh, is uh, arguing and putting into right perspective uh, the Ten Commandments and the laws uh, and precepts that came out of that. And he particularly emphasizes uh, that uh, there are uh, uh, stipulations or there are guidelines or guards and uh, decrees that have to do with people who kill other people. So here are text again, hands that shed uh, innocent blood. So what we have here then is a symbol of the uniqueness of the gift uh, that the Creator has given uh, to life. So now we want to move into sacrifices, a little bit of understanding there. And uh, we see that uh, blood was representative of the sacrifice of a life to God. And so Genesis 4, 8 through 11, if I could have this right here. This is Casey. Uh, Genesis 4, 8 through 11. I want Genesis 4, 23 and 24. Uh, Twister, Genesis 4, 23 and 24. I want Numbers 35, 33. Uh, Dennis Halverson. So uh, sacrifices now are going to be made. And this blood was representative of the sacrifice of life to God. Genesis 4, uh, 8 through 11 gives us a little bit of uh, uh, unique insight. 
Now, here's an interesting insight. Uh, if you go back a little in Genesis, you'll find that Cain and Abel, uh, who are these two brothers, Cain uh, brings an offering of the field to God. Abel brings the sacrifice of the flock. God had given direction uh, concerning sacrifice and worship and that he was to be approached by blood. Cain uh, disregarded that, had no understanding, had no concept, had no appreciation for that. He brings an offering of the field. He's rejected. And isn't it interesting that he, the same lack of value in relationship to God and understanding of, uh, of, the, of the value that God puts in, in, uh, in, uh, in blood of sacrifice, this then bleeds out in his conduct. And so he rises up, slays his brother Abel, and brings a curse upon himself. And uh, that can be followed uh, on through in Genesis 4, 23 and 24. Okay, I got ahead of myself as uh, Cain is cursed from the earth. He laments this. He, uh, on the end of the fourth chapter, uh, he laments it. This is a man named Lamech. Lamech uh, is uh, a man who disregards this business of human life. Uh, he's wounded uh, by uh, apparently a young man. We don't know the details of this. All we have is this uh, sacred record. Uh, God gives us this little insight. And uh, he apparently is in a conflict. During that conflict, he's hurt. And so he retaliates and kills a young man because this young man had wounded him. And, uh, the, and the Bible gives us his boasting or his disregard for human life as he, uh, in vengeance, takes revenge uh, upon another man. And this is written for us uh, in the record as, uh, uh, as a, a record of infamy. Numbers 35, 33. Okay, here we, we have this uh, bleeding into now a social and a territorial or societal curse. And, uh, and God uh, names this statement and says, Because this innocent blood is there, when innocent blood is shed, the land will not be cleansed by that except by the, uh, uh, the divine retribution. And so we're going to move into capital punishment in a little while. If you'll just bide your time, we'll move on through that. So let's think about that for a moment, uh, because this has ramifications beyond uh, simply a personal and an individual and a local and a time frame. I preached some time ago, I don't remember how long ago, about, uh, about societal sins and how God will require this in the process of time. Any of you who are knowledgeable... Uh, at all, if you've read anything, uh, you've heard me remark about the uh, bloody uh, murder of a woman and her son in Ruby Ridge, Idaho, which is pure and simple murder, and also of 85 or more persons in Waco, Texas. Anybody that reads knows that that was a travesty, and that blood is on our nation, it's on this administration. And God is God, I'll tell you. And that verse we just read, you'll watch it play out. You don't have to believe me, just watch it play out. In the process of time, the people responsible for that, God will bring to justice because God is a righteous judge. He is a righteous judge. He goes beyond human ability. He goes beyond human laws and, uh, and uh, mechanisms. And God is, uh, is ruling in the heavens above and the earth beneath. And you'll see before it's finished that that curse uh, will be uh, judged by God himself. Okay, moving past that then, let's move a little bit further. 
And uh, let's talk about the scriptural focus on human life as being sacred. I want a couple more scriptures uh, in my far right, Exodus 20, 13. Somebody like to get that? Exodus 20, verse 13. Uh, this is Pete Baker and, uh, and Deuteronomy 5, 17. Well, we just lost two out the side door on that statement. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Don't you love this church? Praise God. This is the church of, uh, of smoothness and, uh, and uh, massages. We don't ever alarm anybody. We like to keep everybody as happy as they can be. Okay. Deuteronomy 5, 17. Well, they might have been Mormons. They just, just realized that they're in the wrong place. It's just around the corner here. Deuteronomy 5, 17. Did I give the first scripture? Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 17 would be Nick. And then I want 2 Samuel 16, 7 and 8. Uh, Bear Montgomery. See, truth uh, does strange things to folks. It either makes you glad or makes you mad. And truth is never neutral. Religion, however, is a palliative that uh, seeks to uh, gather together large crowds of people, never change their lives, uh, and send them to hell. But we're not sending people to hell here. We're making people face reality of truth. And what I've just read, I want to tell you, uh, our nation, you know, we'll get to that in just a little bit, our nation is paying a price, a horrible price, uh, for, uh, for this uh, hands that shed innocent blood. Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Okay? This is Exodus 20, 13. This is one of the commandments. And the Schofield Bible uh, gives a little side note. says the Hebrew language employs several words to express the idea to kill. The verb used here is a special word which can only mean murder and always in, uh, indicates intentional slaying. So when, uh, uh, when that text says, uh, you shall not kill, it doesn't mean stepping on uh, grasshoppers. <laughs> Has nothing to do with uh, snail darters or whales. It has to do with human life. Human life is sacred to God. And one of the Ten Commandments has to do with our conduct in life and lays it down, you shall not kill. And the correctly is translated in that later translation, whatever it was, uh, you should do no murder. Deuteronomy 5, verse 17. Okay, here's the same uh, uh, phrase back again. And this is repeated, 2 Samuel 16, 7 and 8. Okay, here's Shimei. David is on the run from Absalom. And it's interesting that Shimei uh, reaches into uh, this, brings the accusation against David. And as he brings that accusation against him, it homes in on the fact that he has shed the blood of the household of Saul. So this is, uh, without pursuing that any further, we want to bring that into a correct perspective. There's several scenes that will help us to understand this this morning. Uh, I want somebody in the far left to get for me 2 Samuel 3, 27 through 30. Uh, Rodney, you'd like to get that for us? I want Matthew 27, 24. Uh, Ralph uh, Blanco, and I want uh, Numbers 35, 6 through 12, Phil... Now keep this in perspective for a moment. 
we started out uh, to talk about God's uh, 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 symbolism that he begins to bring into man's understanding. We move this on through several scenarios uh, that are biblical and we're uh, moving towards a clarification of what this means. Hands that shed innocent blood. There are several scenes that will help us understand this. Second Samuel three twenty-seven through 30. All right, here's an interesting scenario. Here's a powerful uh, warrior. He's a leader. His name is Abner. They're in a conflict, and uh, he's on the run. Uh, he, they're retreating, and uh, he's retreating from the battlefield. But uh, Joab has a brother. Uh, his name is Asahel, and he's pursuing after Abner, and he's faster than he is. He's catching him, and uh, they're acquainted with each other. Uh, Abner uh, shouts back over his soldier, turn aside uh, because I don't want to hurt you. But Asahel is pursuing him and he's gaining on him. He catches right up with him and uh, Abner takes his spear, runs it right through him backward and kills him. Now this is conflict in battle. Men are fighting in battle. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. At a later date, Joab... Uh, finds Abner uh, and meets him in a row. There's another scripture that uh, gives a little more detail of this. He meets him and uh, greets him in the, in the roadway and says, uh, uh, Oh, my brother. And reaches up, uh, and as he reaches up, takes him by the beard, takes his sword, and disembowels him in the middle of the road. Outright murder. All right, this is what David's talking about. And he says before, uh, and it makes a public declaration, uh, my uh, kingdom and my family are innocent of the, of the blood of this righteous man. We did not give Joab authority to murder him. We did not command this. And, and uh, I hereby decree that my kingdom and that my family are innocent of this. Uh, but Joab's family's cursed because of this. He's murdered an innocent man for vengeance. And that murder is going to work out in a curse in his life, and he names it off. Never one that uh, lacks an issue of blood, never one that is a, lacks a leper, etc., etc., etc. So here we see the dynamics uh, of this working through and a little bit difference. And so always in the Scripture, murder is uh, outright deliberate taking of life with malice of forethought. That's even written into our laws uh, today, that murder is not. Uh, a manslaughter. We'll talk about that. Man murder is malice of forethought. Someone who plots, schemes, and brings to pass a strategy that takes another's life from them. This is murder. And uh, we had it spelled out there uh, in the text uh, a little bit. Okay, Matthew 27, verse 24. All right, here's a little bit, little bit uh, a more complicated intrigue. Here's Pilate. Pilate is in charge. Pilate has life or death. He has the authority to forgive, or to pardon, or to send to the cross. Jesus is before him. He knows that Jesus is innocent. He says that. He said, this man's innocent. He knows that. He heard the case, saw the scenario. And as he sees this, he nevertheless is a politician. And so politicians do things that are not righteous. How many of you know that? Okay. And so uh, he sees this is uh, creating an upheaval uh, in, the, in, the, in the realm because these Jews want Jesus dead. 
And so they're creating a furor, they're creating an uproar, and so he does this public thing. He takes a basin and before them all says, I'm innocent of, uh, uh, of, this, of, the, of the blood of this innocent man seeking to rid himself. But you see, he had the power. And for political reasons, he put Christ to the cross. And uh, tradition says uh, that a curse came upon his life and he spent his days uh, he went insane. His wife had already warned him, said, don't, don't you touch this thing. This is bad news. Don't have anything to do with this. Right. She had a terrible dream. Horrible things were happening in the family because of, uh, of this. And this dream uh, warned her. And she came to Pilate and said, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't, you, you don't get involved in this. But uh, politics is a very powerful motivator. So he seeks to shred himself, uh, shed himself rather, of this, uh, of this uh, 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 culpability. And uh, tradition says that Pilate uh, spent the years of his life, went insane, and incessantly washing. Every time he found water, he washed and washed and washed and washed because he could not forget putting a righteous man to death. Okay, so uh, let's talk for a moment about manslaughter. And uh, this is uh, Numbers 35, 6 through 12. Phil, Phil Mayout's going to give us this. Numbers 35, 6 through 12, manslaughter. Manslaughter and murder are two different things. However, there are, uh, there are other uh, uh, facets that uh, we need to thought, think about for a moment. Manslaughter. Numbers 35, 6 through 12. Okay, here's an interesting uh, little facet built into uh, the society of Israel. Uh, God understanding how society is, certain things happen, conflicts uh, 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 erupt, and so he establishes these cities of refuge, 42 cities of refuge, and says when a man accidentally kills another man, this is what, there's an accident, then uh, the Hebrew law uh, said that when a person takes another's life, the nearest of kin has the right to kill them. When, that, that would solve a lot of society's problems real quick in America. You bring, you establish the witnesses. By two witnesses that saw him do it, uh, it's established. Take him and kill him immediately. You stone him. All right. This was the law of uh, Israel. And so God understanding that uh, human passions and misjudgments established these cities of refuge so that they could flee and find a refuge until their case was heard and uh, it was established that this was an accident. Now, in our society, uh, I just read this morning, Michael Pollan has uh, an escape plot. If you remember Michael Pollan, him and his brother, uh, both raised in Prescott, uh, stopped uh, two, I believe it was Loomis, uh, armored car uh, guards transporting uh, money from Phoenix to uh, uh, the northern Arizona. They uh, 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 disguised themselves as, as, as highway patrolmen. They put uh, rented lights put on their vehicle, painted their vehicle, uh, uh, stopped this uh, armored car, uh, gained entrance to it, tied up both the men, took them to uh, Lake Mead below uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, murdered them, put them in body bags and threw them in, and he's been on death row, I believe, since 1983. He's being defended, uh, appeal after appeal after appeal, at your good old tax dollars, hard at work. Because of the law that says that criminals uh, have to have appointed a public defender, one of the worst curses ever to come on our society is our prisons are filled with people. 
that should have been judged years ago, done away with, but with endless appeals over and over and over again. Those appeals are paid for by you. Remember, how many of you remember April, April 15th, just passed? Anybody remember April 15th? Big chunk out of my bucks. I paid for Michael Poland's appeals. Me. And numerous other criminals simply because the legal processes, lawyers have no ethics, they love money, they can keep a case going endlessly for years with this and with that and with this and with that. And uh, 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 me and Sam Stagger, we got no use for lawyers, okay. So Michael, Michael Poland uh, has been able to, to drag this out rather than be brought to justice. His peers heard the case, saw clear-cut what it was, and in our system of justice, based on the, the rights of, uh, of uh, uh, human beings to a fair trial, sentenced him to death. He has yet to pay that. This is 1997, 14 years later. Okay, in Bible days, no... Got two witnesses. Two witnesses say, I, I saw the deed. It was done, and uh, they put them to death. So here's manslaughter or accidental is put into a different uh, category, and uh, so we see that. All right, I, I, I can see eyes starting to catch uh, fire now, so let's open it for input or, uh, or contradiction or questions. Alan uh, Herman. Yeah. Yeah, the horrible thing is that our society now is being triggered to vigilante justice, which can come out really bad. Uh, and the reason for that is the inability of the courts to bring people to justice. And so you're seeing uh, this is happening all the time, is that society is taking it into their own hands, and, uh, which can turn out really bad. Uh, our, our system of justice was not set up. We have one of the finest systems of justice uh, that history has ever had. It gives absolute recourse, but there are factors that have uh, cranked in that have stripped that from our society. And now you're beginning to see frequently uh, people taking the law in their own hands and bypassing because they know nothing will ever happen to these people. But that can turn out really, really bad. Okay, somebody else. That's a good... Uh, no, I, I just scanned the news, Alan, and uh, it has to be really prominent for me to catch it because I'm moving fast. Uh, Casey. Curse is working out today still. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, before we run out of time. Uh, so uh, what the eco-faggots and the bleeding heart liberals have done is pervert this truth. Okay? So capital punishment. Let's talk about capital punishment for a moment. And uh, I want uh, in this section here, Exodus 21, 18 through 27, capital punishment. Uh, Pete Baker, I want uh, Leviticus 24, 17, Samantha. I want Exodus 21, 12. Uh, Bill Bronson. Exodus 21, 18 through 27. Okay, here's some interesting laws that uh, even today are built in. Uh, it was the English uh, system of justice, which the Americans uh, pulled out of, which is based upon biblical revelation of liability and of responsibility. And capital punishment is one of those, as if they die, uh, then they pay the price for it. Uh, life for life. Leviticus 24, verse 17. Okay. Exodus 21, verse 12. Okay, here we have it. Uh, capital punishment. 
And so uh, there's a perversion of, uh, of this uh, idea. And so this has moved out into the environmentalists. This has moved into religion, Hindus, uh, the perversion of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, this uh, sacredness of life. Uh, they hear people starving to death. Cows are running wild through the street. Enough beef to feed a whole generation. Uh, they're not corralled. They just run wild. It's the most... Uh, it's the most uh, insane thing you ever saw in India and they're dropping cow piles everywhere and uh, through modern cities and folks uh, uh, let them run they, they're sacred because they're life this is a perversion of that as well as it works on down through uh, and in Egypt uh, their worship of dung beetles and so on and so forth so now we're getting to social issues okay uh, abortion rights so called uh, 1973, uh, under the guise of a uh, woman's right to her own body, has to date brought the murder of 36 million souls in America alone. So when you hear your politicians, they're whining about not going to be enough money for Social Security. This is the problem right here. This is the problem. The problem is you've killed off the people who should be turning in the money to pay Social Security for your retirement. 36 million people is a lot of folks. That's larger than many nations that we labor in today. And it's murder, pure and simple. This is what it is. Uh, and uh, the insane uh, generation in which we live, save the whales but kill the babies. Just, it's absolutely enraging. Folks are, are worried about some bug uh, that's crawling in some slime out in some swamp somewhere. Uh, it, they want to build a connector road between uh, uh, 69 and 89, but it goes through the Watson Woods. I mean, those precious uh, acres of, uh, of delicate, uh, uh, environmentally endangered places out there. I tell you what, uh, I mean, it, it's, uh, uh, we ought to march on this because they're going to build a bridge across there. They may disturb a bug of some kind. <laughs> what kind of insanity has seized our generation, folks? Okay? So here we have it. Uh, now we're moving into uh, one of the deadly phases, which is euthanasia. First, abortion rights. We passed that milestone. Now, uh, and that's simply because of inconvenience. That's all it is. It isn't because people don't love babies. People who, who don't even want babies love them after they come. Right? Some of you are sitting here. That isn't the reason that babies are boarded. Babies are boarded because inconvenient. Either it will expose uh, immorality or it's economically uh, burdensome or whatever it may be. And so uh, that isn't the reason. Now we've justified that. Uh, our conscience is, uh, has... Uh, now the brainwashing is beginning on, uh, on Dr. Death, Mr. Kevorkian. The brainwashing is beginning. If you read at all, you'll see that we're being conditioned to uh, accept euthanasia. Now, euthanasia is poor people who are painfully suffering, and so we're going we're gonna to let them end their life because we don't want them to suffer. Don't kid yourself, folks. They have euthanasia in Holland. And what it does is as soon as folks become inconvenient, you know what becoming inconvenient means? It means they're too old to take care of themselves anymore. 
soon as they become inconvenient, do away with them. It's already happening in Holland right now. Has been for years. That's where euthanasia is moving. And so, you know, you're going to get old someday if Jesus tarries. Don't look at me like that. You're going to get old if Jesus tarries. Oh, you're full of vim and vigor right now. And you feel great. But you see, if you, if you live to an old age, you're going to finally come to a place where you're no longer able to produce for yourself. You're going to have to have someone else that helps you get by whatever social uh, uh, safety nets put in, whatever relationships that you've established, whatever children that you haven't aborted that are still alive are going to have to crank in and help you. And you see, that becomes extremely inconvenient. It costs a lot of money. It's a bother. And it restricts the lifestyle. That's where we're headed. Breakneck pace right now is euthanasia in America. And what it will boil down to is doing away with the old folks. Well, I'm an old folks. Kind of. <laughs> and... Uh, not me, folks. Amen. Okay, let's open it up. We got everybody stirred up now. Let's have at it. Don't you love these classes? It gets everybody stirred up one way or the other. Jeff Brown. About lethal injection. What do I feel about it? Uh, it doesn't really matter whether you kill them with electric chair, stone them, lethal injection, or whatever. Uh, a life for a life is what uh, is biblical, and I believe in it. And uh, and had it uh, had swift justice uh, been practiced in America for known murders and killers, it would have changed totally our 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 uh, penal system today. Totally changed it. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, resist going off and careening off into other areas. And uh, uh, Rob should have been done but justice isn't being done because of legal system and so uh, what do you think Jack Bundy's problem was Ted Bundy. Uh, uh, Ted Bundy yeah what do you think his problem was what began to possess him he's uncontrollable and our society is filled with him right now filled with him right now when you see disappearance of these little children that's what the problem is folks it's pornography it's uh, the great free speech of America that our insane Supreme Court doesn't know the difference between filth and decency. Have given them license and it's filling our society. That's what the problem is. You'll see a lot more of it. Uh, Anna. What do you Dramatic differences in many, in many places. For instance, the British system of justice, which was imposed on the colonies years ago, which was beating with a rod. We just had a little case of this in uh, Singapore a while back. Uh, it dramatically dropped uh, thieving, etc. In Kenya today, uh, but when, the, when, a, when a thief steals, uh, and, and it, it happens from time to time, they'll snatch a purse and run. Society has the right to kill them on the spot. So you want to be really fast if you steal something <laughs> <laughs> in Kenya. Radically changes uh, uh, social structures and so that can, of course, can be uh, can be out of uh, kilter. But I want to tell you that in uh, that in Singapore, now I, w I wouldn't want to live there because you you get this feeling of restriction that if you uh, spit on the sidewalk, well, they'll cut your head off, you know. But 
Uh, and it's a very modern society. It's modern. It makes Prescott look like a, a backwater dump. But, uh, but they got this kid in vandalism, and they give him his stripes. Clinton tried to intervene. Uh, the queen tried to intervene. Every, and they said, this is our law, and this is what we're going to do. And they beat his butt with a rod. And I want to tell you, they don't have vandalism, but very rarely in Singapore. He was an American kid. So, you know, that can be overdone. I understand that. But uh, uh, there's some things to be said for it. <laughs> Who did I see? Casey. If you're going into Singapore or into Malaysia on your customs form, what you fill out and make a declaration has a warning. Death if you bring drugs in. Fifteen grams. I don't know how much fifteen grams is because I never dealt drugs, but I don't think it's very much. How much is fifteen grams? What? Where's our old drug dealers here? It's a, it's a what? Half an ounce. Well, they came out of the woodwork, didn't they? Okay. And so, uh, and so it's right on there. When you step off the plane, before you even get to the counters, here it is. Big signs. It's red. And I mean, it's, uh, it's prominent. And they let you understand you're going to pay the price if you deal drugs there. That hasn't cut it all out, but it sure has cut it way down. Yeah, because it's so slow. It takes forever and forever. Society forgets about it. Yep. Which is good and bad. Uh, Dave? Yep. The small ship. Because remember, life is sacred by God's revelation. Sacred. Uh, Noah? No, because when you move past the, when you move beyond the point where life is sacred, then everything becomes blurred. Uh, Pete? Cold, clinical, scientific. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody ever hear of Winnie Ruth Judd? Okay, Winnie Ruth Judd spent her life in prison for aborting uh, uh, a complicity in abortion in Arizona. That's in my, when I was a child, that, that happened, and spent her life in prison. My house society has changed. All right, so the scripture says very plainly, hands that shed innocent blood. God says, I hate that. The Lord bless you. We'll continue this next week. Here's a girl who wants to say something. Yes.